All right, welcome into the Illini Inquirer podcast. Isaac Trotter and Derek Piper. Derek, back on the podcast for the first time in a couple weeks after your trip to Italy. First off, how was Italy? Was it great? Did you get lost? What, what, what was that experience like for you, man? <laughs> it was great, and yeah, I did get lost. Uh, it, it was a, a crazy, eye-opening experience. First time traveling internationally uh so to do the whole customs deal and get the passport and everything uh it's no joke flying eight nine hours from chicago to london and then connecting over to milan so uh, i'm not signing up for one of those flights uh to do again especially with no wi-fi but uh, once you're over there it's a really cool scene obviously the the history and just uh you know all the the architecture and everything you get to see over there and then get to see some basketball so uh, a very cool trip one that i uh I think I'm probably recovered now sleep-wise, but it took me a little bit. But uh, good to be back on the pod and, and talking to with you. Well, it's so funny because, you know, I was driving down to Florida, and I'm doing a 20-hour drive down to Florida, and it stinks. And I go, okay, I could either be driving 20 hours or flying nine like Piper. So, you know what, whatever. I'll, I'll take the 20-hour drive over a nine-hour flight with no Wi-Fi. Yes, do the drive. The, the drive, you can pull off, you can stretch your legs. Uh, when you're when you're flying over the Atlantic Ocean, uh, you, you don't have a whole lot of options. So uh, <laughs> I, I'm a, a big driver. Drive all around the AAU tournaments, and, and I'll stick with that any any day. Yeah, we're gonna get into some hoops too. We're gonna talk a little bit of football at the start. Um, the new 80 million dollar facility gets opened, so we'll talk about that. Marquez Beeson, we got some news there. But then with basketball. It'll be really interesting because Illinois has added some intriguing targets here at the end. Jacob Grandison, the Holy Cross transfer, commits to Illinois over the weekend. Jermaine Hamlin, class of 2019 Lincoln Center, is also committed to Illinois. What does this mean for Bernard Kuma? What's going on here? And then, of course, we'll get into Italy with Derek as well. But we'll get into it after a quick break. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Derek, let's start with this. We see on Twitter the Illinois football team gets into this new facility, and it's just gorgeous, right? I mean, it, it's just absolutely fantastic. You see the $80 million that they put in. Boy, whoever was um, the architect of that made it look really, really nice. It's one of the best facilities in the Big Ten, and these guys are just stunned. But for you, what, what, what's that like to see that? I mean, we're both from this area. We've kind of grown up around this area, and we see facilities that Illinois had, and, and they're fine. Right, the first time you see them, you think they're really good, but then you go to other places and you realize, wow, this isn't really that great. But this new facility that they've added, boy, it looks like one of the best in the Big Ten for sure. Yeah, it's mind blowing. I know that you and Jeremy have talked to the guys in the current team, and to, you know, to, to see that Richie Pettibon said that a guy that's in Alabama that it's the best you know building that he's ever been in or seen. That that shows a lot. I know that 
uh, in their research, the athletic department went around to places like Clemson and uh, down in the SEC where obviously football is king and uh, to really take pieces of what, what they did well and then to kind of uh, adapt what they maybe thought could be better. And also, I think the conversations that they had ongoing with Lovey Smith, uh, that's a really cool aspect because clearly he's been in the NFL for a long time and uh, understands what high-level facilities look like. And uh, it, it's it's really exciting for this football program. You know, obviously the the players on the current team, that they get to live and experience that. I mean, how could you not be excited to – strap it up every single day or, you know, if you're a coach, go to work every single day in a building like that. I mean, that's just really, really exciting and great for them. But also, of course, as a recruiting guy, you always think about the impact it can potentially have there. And I think that how could you not want to come back or go to campus and think that that could be your everyday life. So I think that it just has a long-term effect and it's a great foundational piece for this program. And really now, I know that they, they want to upgrade some of the stadium things, and uh, but it, it comes down to the product in the field because everything else seems like it's in place for, for this program to take off. Well, it's so interesting because I think there's some backstory that needs to be had here with some of these guys. And the, the, the thing that I, I saw the most is the first two guys that are bursting through those doors and into the new facility to, to see all of those things are, are Daniel Barker and Dominic Stampley. And it, it says a lot to me about those two guys because – Barker comes from a house where he had nothing when he was a kid, right? A poverty-stricken house down in Florida. He didn't have a lot. And I mean, then you look at Dominic Stampley, same kind of situation. Champagne kid, but he had a rough family life. He went to JUCO. And now, you know, after being in JUCO a couple years ago, year and a half ago, he's all of a sudden here at Illinois with a brand new facility. So to see the joy of those guys through there, that, that kind of said a lot. That spoke a lot of volumes. And yeah, you're right. I mean, when you talk about recruiting, it's all about facilities right now. I mean, it's, it's facilities and winning really are the, the, the most important things but you talk about facilities you see these other facilities it's hard to pick Illinois because they've lost a lot you know you know you know what I mean like you have subpar facilities and why, why not go to Northwestern when who has great facilities up on on Lake Michigan why not go to some of these other places like Minnesota who've just revamped their entire facility so I, I think what you've seen here I wouldn't say that Illinois is all of a sudden going to start landing five-star four-star kids but there's a situation where now you have a chance and now you're on par with the rest of the Big Ten. You're probably better than most of the rest of the Big Ten uh, right now with your facilities. And that's something that can last. And now you have to sell something on the field. So 2019 should be a big year. I'm interested, Derek, if we can have like a media walkthrough, too, because I'm completely fine to play a little bit of bowling. I, I, I'd check out the bowling alley to make sure it can work. Ping pong is fine with me. Little hoops up there, too. Like it looks like a place I could hang out and, and have a great time. Yeah, no doubt. I would even make sure to, to get my hair cut over there. I don't even care uh, who's cutting it, but that barbershop looks really cool, and, and obviously uh, the bowling. So, yeah, any chance that we can get an invite over there and, and, and to hang out a little bit, you know, uh, we'll come over and have a good time for sure. Absolutely. One other thing of negative note, though, about Illinois football, uh, Lovey Smith announced yesterday that Marquez Beeson, the freshman cornerback, the best recruit that Illinois has got in 10 years, will miss the entire season with a knee injury. He called it a severe knee injury. We kind of knew it wasn't going to be good when it happened. He went down with a non-contact play, just a one-on-one. And it, it's tough. It's tough for Illinois to see that. And right now it just puts a ton of you know impact on some of these younger guys to step up at cornerback because Illinois – only has four scholarship corners. So, Derek, when you see this and Marquez Beeson is out, it, 
I, I hate to say this, but it, it just feels like Illinois has had the worst luck recently because, I mean, no Luke Ford. Jeff Thomas, the whole saga with that happens. Bobby Roundtree, a bad injury. Bennett Williams, Lou Dorsey, Larry Boyd are three of your best recruits in the class of 2017. And all of these guys you could have expected to play for Illinois this year and were at one point committed to Illinois, and and none of them are going to play. And you only have a finite number of playmakers and not to have Beeson and not to have Ford and not to have Roundtree, some of those guys from 2017 that could have been huge, huge pieces. That hurts. That hurts. And the margin for error for this season was already slim. And after the injury to Beeson, it feels a whole lot slimmer. Oh, man, yeah. You said it right there. It's so tough. And you look at the defensive side of the ball, because last year that offense was good enough to, to win football games and probably be a bowl team. And you bring Brandon Peters in this year, and obviously Isaiah Williams is going to be a factor uh, and be someone that, of course, fans are going to clamor for. And it'll be interesting to see how Rod Smith utilizes him. But you're, you're putting your trust in that offensive line and that run game. It's just on defense. They were so poor last year, and they lose their best player in Bobby Roundtree. And you just need a lot of things to go right to take that next step defensively. And I know that Lovey Smith is, is calling the shots and maybe going to be a little more aggressive with blitzing. But uh, Marquez Beeson, you know, I, I'm following your depth chart and you and Jeremy's reports from practice as far as I know. And correct me if I'm wrong, I thought he was going to be the starting slot corner, which in today's day and age, this isn't the 80s or even the 60s where it's eye form every, every down. That's a guy that's on the field a whole lot. So, uh, and, and knowing the depth that's not there uh, behind him, uh, I'm really intrigued on what the moves are going to make to, to kind of fill that. But, of course, just knowing the talent uh, that he had. He's a top 100 recruit, as you already mentioned, to lose a guy like that and, and knowing how far this defense has to come, uh, in my mind, to, to be a bowl team, to be 6-6 six and six or, or poss- possibly overachieve past that. Uh, I don't know. It's going to be really, really tough. But, Isaac, what did you see from Marquez, and uh, what do you think that they're going to do to, to kind of you know make the next step now that he's not on the football field. Yeah, Marquez was awesome throughout training camp. I mean, he was in a little bit of freshman struggles right at the beginning, but it wasn't anything bad. I mean, you're just kind of seeing him get used to the college game. Teams weren't really testing him a little bit, but he was going up against those second-string wide receivers and shutting him down early in camp. And and then things started to click for him, and he was getting interceptions and running things back to the house. And this is the playmaker that you absolutely wanted. You saw why Lovey Smith was so desperate to play him at defense and play him at corner because – He just has the length, and you're right, he probably would have been that starting slot receiver in the nickel right there now, too. Nate Hobbs had been good. Quan Martin had been really good. I thought those two were the starting boundary corners, but when Illinois played three cornerbacks, Beeson was going to be on the field, and that's a big loss. So right now, I think the big thing that you're looking for is Nick Walker and Devin Witherspoon to step up right now as guys that are going to have to be legitimate pieces. Because, you know, you talk to this coaching staff and they'll tell you straight up, there is no way that Illinois can make it through the entire season playing two cornerbacks. It just can't happen, right? So these guys are going to have to play. Walker is shorter, probably about 5'9". Maybe if he you know squeezes his butt together, he can get an extra half inch and he's 5'9 and a half and they can list him at 5'11". But he, he's not. That's His height, his height isn't quite his, his, his strength, but he had some interceptions throughout training camp he's a feisty guy you saw that he can be a big hitter at times he forced a couple interceptions with with a couple big hits so he can do some of those things I think he can be serviceable but really what I I think what happens here is if Illinois has an injury to one of those top corners you're going to see Tony Adams move from safety back to corner which kind of stinks because Adams had been one of the best players on the defense throughout training camp I think Jeremy did his uh, superlatives for defense and had had Adams as a co-MVP of the defense, and, and I agree, Adams was all over the place at safety. 
But if there's an injury, you move him to corner because he's got um, experience there. And then you see Stanley Green come in and play safety. So I think that's kind of the plan in case there is an issue. But right now they're on pins and needles hoping that no one gets hurt. Maybe Trenard Davis could move to corner. I, I, that, that, I don't really think that really moves the needle a lot. But it's obviously a, a big, big loss. And right now we are recording this on Tuesday, August 20th. The season's 11 days away, and you have four scholarship cornerbacks that are healthy, and that, that's just not good enough. So it, it, it will be tough, Derek. We are going to take a quick timeout. When we get back, I promise it's time to talk hoops. We've talked a, a little bit of Illinois football to start, but we have Piper on. It's time, it's time to talk hoops, and we'll get that right after this quick break. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, we're back. Illinois football has their first game in 11 days, but it's time to talk some basketball with Derek Piper on the Illini Inquirer podcast. What is this, Piper? Is this episode 13, right? This is the Baker's Dozen, then. We are giving I the people, so, the, yeah. Yeah, we're giving the, people the content they need. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. We're producing every week. Shout out to you. You do a great job on this, and I'm just happy to be here, man. <laughs> all right, all right. Hoops. Holy Cross transfer Jacob Grandison commits to Illinois over the weekend. And Derek, I, I got to be honest, I'm underwhelmed when this first happened uh, because you, you look at him and you see 6'6", you see what he did at Holy Cross, and it's not a great Holy Cross team, but he puts up 12.9 points a game, five rebounds, 2.9 assists. He has a great dunk on social media that you kind of see, but I don't really love it, right? I mean, it feels like Illinois was the only school after it, but what do you see out of him that, what did Brad Underwood see out of him that he thinks that this could be a pivotal piece and a piece that Illinois could absolutely use in a couple of years? I think a couple of things. And number one, I'll also agree with some of the sentiment that you're sharing there, where it's just kind of like, eh, uh, is it a reach? Is it maybe an, an overreaction to, you know, having the spot or, or trying to get older, which that is one thing I, I can see value in bringing in, bringing Jacob Grandison from Holy Cross, you bring in Austin Hutcherson from D3 level, and those are guys you're going to have in your program for a full year before you get to next summer, and you'll have some more time in the offseason to progress them, have them learn the offense, uh, get in the weight room with Fletch and all that, and that's going to be really important for both guys. So uh, I understand when you're going to lose some backcourt pieces like Andres Felice and probably Nio DeSumo, where you kind of want to get to a point where you have some older guys, and this is an older team. I know when Brad talks about uh, you know the Purdue's of the world. What they do is find a way to get old and stay old, as he likes to say. So uh, when I went and looked at the film, uh, I think his passing, David Branson's passing, is at a really high level. That's something that you can't maybe see uh, on paper. That's where I think that that's probably where Brad's eyes lit up watching him is just the playmaking he has within the offense, making the right plays. Uh, he comes from the Princeton offense with Bill Carmody. But there, there are similar principles in just the uh, the ball screens, the cutting, uh, the way the ball is supposed to move in the half court. I, I think that that would be a very seamless transition for him uh, in the spread. Now, he also shoots the three pretty decently, 36 37% from three. I know it's in the Patriot League. That's a different level of competition. But if he's given space to, to get his shot off, which he does have a quick release, 
Uh, he can make shots. So his season average is about 13 points, five rebounds. I don't know if the rebounding really translates that much because he's not a great athlete. Obviously, it's a different ball game rebounding in the Big Ten, around three assists per game. I do think he can make good plays in the offense. But uh, on the flip side, what gives me pause is his the holes in his game are similar holes that you already see on this roster. It's that he's not a great athlete. He's not going to blow by people off the dribble. And really, first and foremost, defensively, I have some major, major concerns. You look at his synergy numbers. He was bottom 15% in college basketball as a defensive end as far as his point per, points per possession. We already know this is a team on defense in Illinois that has plenty of issues and concerns there. So uh, that's the biggest area for me where I, I kind of question it. And are you getting a guy that's not a great athlete and he's not going to be able to maybe get stops in the perimeter? Uh, I don't know. Uh, we'll see what he can do, he can become throughout an off season or throughout a full season of, of being a sit out transfer. But uh, I am a bigger fan of Austin Hutcherson. I see him uh, also a six six guy, but a better shooter, more bounce, and, and can do a little bit more or a lot more off the dribble. So I was a bigger fan of this of that one. This one, I guess we'll have to wait and see. Well, the thing is, is I, I look at both of those guys and Hutcherson and Grandison, and I go. Well, what's the, how are they different players, right? I, like I want to add different pieces to the puzzle. How are they different, right? And I agree with you. I think Hutcherson adds a little bit more defensively. I like his bounce. I think he's more athletic. But but I look at Granderson and I go, what is it, right? Like what what's the what is the thing here that you absolutely love? Now I will say this. Look at Purdue, right? Last year, who'd they have playing on the wing and starting a ton of games? Grady Eifert, right? He's not anything to write home about, but he's a solid. Piece, six foot six, two twenty, kind of the same type of body that Grandison is, and if he could turn into a really good shooter, maybe that's great. But but I look at the 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 roster that they have planned for 2020, 2021, and I go, okay, do which one of these guys is hurt worse by these additions of Hutcherson, Grandison, right? Is is that Demonte Williams or is that Tevian Jones? Which one would you go with there? Which guy do you think maybe their role is more up in the air now after these additions? Yeah, I think that, well, DeMonte is one that already is a little bit in question with Allen and Tev, but at the same time, you know, as we sit after Italy trip, um, you know, Tev, is of course, has the offensive upside that DeMonte doesn't have. Uh, and then everything else that DeMonte brings is kind of a weakness for Tev. So that's going to be really interesting to follow and monitor. Uh, I think that in general, just, uh, you know, you lose – Again, you lose probably Io uh, and Andre. So uh, Trent at point guard, it'll be interesting to see if they can add an Adam Miller. Uh, but then as far as combo or off guard with Hutcherson, Grandison, Allen, Tev, DeMonte, you're right. One of those is going to either, you know, either Grandison is not going to play a whole lot or DeMonte or Tev is going to lose some minutes. At the moment, I, I think that DeMonte and Tev should have every reason uh, to hold on to and secure those minutes that they're going to have this upcoming season. Because, and I do think that you know Tev obviously is a better athlete than Granderson, um, and I don't see anything defensively where there's a big difference right there. Uh, and DeMonte, of course, is rock solid on defense. He's also a good passer offensively and, and can rebound. So. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure, but that, that is something that's going to be they're going to be placed in competition with each other. But I, I want to go back to the point you made of, about adding different pieces, and that's where, of course, the staff knows more than me uh, on where they stand in recruiting. But this is an ad where you, you kind of take yourself out of some pursuits in 2020 or even the grad transfer market in the spring. I would have rather seen them get someone that's 
really physical, strong, uh, more, almost more of a plus defender than, than offensively, uh, and also someone that can bring some athleticism. And Jalen Clark comes to mind. I know they didn't make his top six. At the same time, I don't think they pushed to make it because they had Grandison kind of in their back pocket. So whether it was Jalen Clark making a real run at him, I think he's something you don't have. Or later on in the class or in the in the transfer market, uh, maybe you know revisionist history. Next year we're sitting there and you have pieces that are similar in Grandison and Hutchinson. Maybe you wish that you got something different. Right, right. But again, we need to do we need to do you know touch on this. Brad Underwood talked about yesterday. It's not. It's easy to. It's easy to see four star and five star guys and be like, okay, yes, I want them in our program. Yeah, I get that. Everybody wants Khalil Whitney. So there is a point where we do yeah. need to trust the staff a little bit and go understand. Okay, maybe this is something that they want to do. They want to add different pieces. If they're adding and prioritizing shooting and scoring and playmaking, I get that. It's just like the defensive concerns that we've already had. You haven't really, really addressed those. And you're over in Italy. Did you see th- anything in Italy that made you think the defense might be a little bit better than, or maybe more improved, or what? Uh, I wish I, <laughs> I wish I could say that I did. Uh, I, I, it's hard because the first two games are against lower level competition, and game two, they were so disruptive defensively in the first half. They they caused a ton of turnovers. And I think the team they were playing had two baskets in the first quarter, uh, had below 30 points, if I remember correctly, at halftime. So that that defensive performance was pretty impressive. And then later on in the trip, game three, they still won big. They struggled a little bit in the first half. And you saw once teams were able to move the ball and execute and then make Illinois pay for, for open shots or missed rotation, and that really – you know, came to light in game four. I wasn't there for that game against the Netherlands B team, but watched on YouTube. And uh, that was where you saw a lot of the old defensive tendencies of last year kind of come to light once again, whether it was uh, their ball screen coverage where the, the bigs are hedging way too far out, you know, 30 feet from the basket, and the roll big guy is wide open down the lane for a dunk, or you're just, uh, you know, a driving kick and it's a wide open three. Like, you know, look back to those Iowa games last year. So, I I don't know. The flip side of that is you didn't have your best on-ball defender in Anish Felice. By default, you didn't have your best rim protector in Kofi Cockburn. And that's where you're kind of you know juggling seven scholarship players. How much do we put into this? They played four games in five days. At the same time, I, I expected to see some answers. Also, I expected to see Andres and, and Kofi over there. I didn't really get that. And at the same time, you got to see them do it. Whether they were good defensively in Italy, you still want to see it against Arizona, a team like that, uh, once the season starts. But I think that uh, as a staff, as a program, they understand uh, they've got quite a bit to figure out defensively in the next couple of months. they got to know how they're going to, you know, if you're not getting a turnover, how are you going to get a stop? you got to get stops even on possessions when you don't get turnovers. So uh, that's something that still has to be addressed. And, uh, you know, Brad, we talked on Monday about Kofi's impact defensively. I don't think that was a big thing that people expected out of Kofi going into uh, the Big Ten as a freshman, but uh, we'll have to see. I think they play more zone when Kofi's on the court, and, and maybe that's the best option for this team. Illinois also added Jermaine Hamlin, who is a pretty good defender, but again, I watched him, this kid play three or four times for Lincoln, and Lincoln has a really, really good style. Their coach there, Neil Alexander, is a heck of a guy. Isn't he the dad of Jeff Alexander, Illinois' assistant to the head coach or something, right? So there's a connection there. It's obviously a basketball family. They know things really well. But 
we talk so much about adding a guy like Hamlin for his defense, and I watch him play, and it was a zone with four small guards that all funneled to him right in the middle. He, I never really saw him in ball screen coverage. You didn't really see him have to roll and guard a guard, right, or see how he hedges screens and stuff like that. So I, you didn't really get to see that. What, what do you make of that addition, and what could it possibly mean for Bernard Kuma, who Brad Underwood also talked about how they still have plans for him to be in, in an Illinois uniform? Yeah, with Jermaine Hamlin, you get someone 6'9", um, maybe 6'10", but a wingspan for sure. I've been told his wingspan is around 7'3". He is mobile, so he has a body that defensively uh, he can you know, make an impact defending around the rim, and that was something that Bradley Beal Elite used him for this past spring and summer, which he played with them, uh, and that's obviously against bigger Bigger front court players because, you know, when you're playing at Lincoln, there are going to be a lot of nights where he's probably, and you saw it, probably guarding a 6'5", maybe 6'4". Right. Uh, you know, someone that that's who he's matching up with. So that's the one thing I love about the UIBL is to be able to see how bigs react against other bigs that are going to play at the D1 level and most likely at the high major level. So uh, he was someone that did pretty well defensively. Offensively, he didn't provide much for Brad Bill. He averaged about two points, three rebounds, block and a half in, in spot minutes. So I, I think he can run the floor. I think he's someone that can set, you know, ball screens and roll. Uh, but obviously he's not someone that they're expecting to come in and produce right away. Uh, I, I would be surprised if he didn't redshirt this upcoming year. And that's where you get into the, the whole situation. Is he willing to buy into, you know, developing over a long period of time? If he doesn't, get the uh, immediate playing time, does he go the Samba route, the Ebo route, and leaving the program in Illinois once again is is taking these roll-the-dice lottery pick type or lottery ticket type of guys, and they don't get to really see it through. And so that's something that's going to be interesting. You mentioned it with Bernard Kuma. The numbers just don't add up for both these guys to play on the same team. Uh, with Hutcherson, with Grandison, uh, with BBV being added over the summer, uh, if Kuma and Hamlin are on the same team, that's 14 scholarship players on a, on a, on a team that only is allowed 13. So uh, I think that they wouldn't have taken Hamlin unless they knew that Kuma probably wasn't going to work out. Of course, Hamlin hasn't, as of Tuesday, hasn't been announced by the program quite yet. So uh, I think if that happens, that will tell you uh, the verdict on Bernard Kuma. And if that prolongs or Hamlin isn't announced, maybe they're still waiting on Kuma. But, of course, there's been a couple of months here where Kuma was signed the financial tender and wasn't able to make it to campus and not get approved by the NCAA Eligibility Center. He has some classes that he took when he was still in Africa that uh, were subject to review on whether they'd be approved as far as credit-wise goes uh, in the NCAA. So uh, right now I think that you wouldn't have seen a commitment unless – there was a really high likelihood that Bernard Kuma is not going to make it to campus. Yeah, yeah. I reached out to uh, three or four Apollo Conference coaches after that happened just to kind of gauge what they think of Hamlin, and they all kind of said the same thing. They were surprised, right? They thought that this was a kid that wasn't a you know a Big Ten level prospect. They thought he was probably headed to Eastern Illinois. There was other opportunities that he could have gone to. Obviously, he was thinking of uh, the going, um, getting one more year of school at a prep school before making a college decision. So they thought he needed more seasoning. But all of them kind of said and echoed the same thing. They think he has a really high upside, and he can jump out of the gym. He's got really long arms, like you said, if he's a good shot blocker. They said they could see why Underwood and his staff could take a risk on him, but man, he's going to need some time. So 
but again, like I look back and I, I look at Kuma's film and then I, I watch Hamlin. And if there's a situation here, I don't really see the difference between those two guys. If you, if you had to pick one of those two guys, who would it be? That's a good question. I guess I would take Kuma because yeah. he was more productive in the high school level and he's a better rebounder. But at the same time, uh, they're different players because Hamlin is more athletic, no doubt. And he's more of a, a true five where, where Kuma might have been slotted over to. Uh, he'd probably play the five a little bit undersized. Uh, but yeah, Hamlin's a better athlete. He's the better uh, up and down, you know, rim runner type of of center. Uh, so I don't know. It, it just depends on what he develops into. I think Kuma was more ready for the physicality of the Big Ten early on. But uh, yeah, both guys were really, you know, Kuma was a decent get, I guess, at best uh, when when he, he was kind of surprising late addition uh, for Underwood. And we, of course, we'd have to see what he became. Uh, and Underwood has done well with under the radar, uh, or at least one is under the radar big and, and Georgie. So uh, I'm not sure, I, but I, I agree. I don't think there's a huge difference uh, between the two. And again, though, Illinois basketball is not going to win, you know, 25 games or 23 on the difference between Bernard Kuma and Jermaine Hamlin. It's going to come down to Io or Georgie and yep. Kofi and Trent. And I, I think I think that's kind of my big takeaway that you can do these roll of the dice moves with the bottom of your roster because everybody else is doing them, too. Right. You see guys will take different risks on these different players. This isn't something new that Illinois is doing. You can take these risks. But at the end of the day. It's going to be Io's show, right? It's going to be if Trent Frazier develops his game defensively, adds a mid-range jumper. It's going to be if Alan Griffin can turn into a solid three at the Big Ten level. If Tevian Jones scratches his upside and Kofi can play like he needs to play, that's what Illinois will do. Not, not the, well, if Benjamin Boston's Redonk gives you eight points a game, then you're great. You know what I mean? Like It just feels like there was a lot of angst on Illini Twitter for a few days, and I, I just didn't really see the reasoning why, because it doesn't quite matter as much. And the expectations for Illinois basketball shouldn't go higher or shouldn't you know drop lower with whoever they add here right at the end of this class between Hamlin and Kuma. There's no doubt about it, and that's the one encouraging part, is you're in a different situation versus uh, a year ago, two years ago. Illinois, if Georgie wasn't Georgie last year, if he was, what many people expected him to be, just a, a three-sport line, three-star, under the radar, not ready for the Big Ten. Illinois didn't have another option. Like He was going to play because they had to play him. And, and uh, the year before that, you know, Greggy Boyd-Bedin got on the floor because Illinois needed him to. So I think you're now in a situation where you have Georgie and Kofi in the front court. Uh, you have a situation where you can play Tab at the four. Of course, Kipper's still in the mix. Uh, and I actually think the boss man will give you something, but – yeah, whether it was Kuma or, or Jermaine Hamlin, uh, these are more long-term plays that you're allowed to kind of uh, take a chance on and, and not really have a big impact on such a crucial season coming up. Before we get into what Brad Underwood talked about on his Monday press conference, let's take a quick timeout. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. 
Okay, so Brad Underwood met with the media on Monday. You were there. Any huge takeaway there? I, I know it's a little bit of coach speak, but you, you just hear a little bit of what he says about the trip, and he talks that it was a great trip. Of course, he was sad that Andres and Kofi had some issues there, but any massive takeaway from, from what Brad Underwood talked about at that press conference? Uh, nothing too huge. I, I was a little I wanted to ask him about defense, uh, and I think that everybody in the room knows that that's still a concern. And as I talked about a little bit already, is uh, I kind of, you know, where based on expectations are you at? And he said, well, it's, that's the toughest thing for me to gauge right now because of we missed Andres and Kofi. And I was surprised. I actually would have expected him to say, you know, Andres is our best on ball defender. And, uh, you know, that's a, a big reason why we weren't as good as we thought we would be in Italy. But it was Kofi. He was the one that Brad was highlighting and talking about. You know, now he's he was at 300 pounds, he's dropped it down to 290. He's got a seven-six wingspan, and, and that affects things on the interior, which I can see, of course, coming into, you know, out of high school and into his collegiate career. I think you would rank his scoring and his rebounding way above what you thought he could be defensively, because you worried about his lateral quickness or uh, just his stamina, and wasn't really known as a as a rim protector. But uh, again, I, I think that that is going to be interesting to play out, and, and maybe they like zone better than they like. Uh, man right now. They just make too many mistakes. Uh, and I know it's August. No team is, is without flaws in August. Uh, also, he said Trent was really, really good. Uh, I don't des- necessarily disagree with him. I know that Trent didn't shoot the ball uh, up to maybe his caliber. I, I think he was 6 of 18 from 3 on the trip. That's about 33%. Uh, but I did like his mindset and kind of his approach. I thought in the first game, he took a lot of shots. Uh, but after that, you know, Andres isn't on that trip, and, and Trent was really honed in on being a pure point guard, uh, making guys better first and foremost, and also locking on the defensive end. Uh, so I, I like the way Trent approached uh, this trip. I, I thought that was a mature approach, something that uh, obviously the, the staff has been pushing with him. So I agreed uh, with Underwood for the most part that Trent was pretty good. Then, of course, uh, you can talk all you want. Uh, Allen's the biggest storyline for this team. And I know that that didn't surprise me that that was, again, a talking point yesterday or on Monday. But, uh, yeah, I mean, the confidence that he has right now, he went and scored 31 in the game. But it's really what he's doing on the glass. And uh, that's really exciting for that team and obviously for Allen as well, who uh, is just five months ago where you're coming off freshman season, you're kind of in that man, that was that was tough. That maybe wasn't what I would have expected, but he came back, he grinded, and uh, he's seeing the uh, the fruits of that. I don't. Maybe people turn the podcast off now when we start talking about this, but I'm kind of intrigued with zone defense, and maybe that's just because I'm a nerd about things, but I, I just I, I, I look at this roster, and a zone defense would work so much better than what the man defense we've seen over the last couple of years. Is that like a real possibility, or is that just a, hey, late in the clock, late in the game, this is a new look that we're going to do out of a timeout? Or, or is that literally something that could happen? Because, listen, Georgie, Kofi, Io, that's six foot five, six nine, seven foot with a seven six wingspan. You have Allen on the floor, six five with length. You have Andres or whoever. You mean even a Tev could be on the floor at, with at six eight. Bossman Verdonk, Kipper Nichols, like you could have some length here with this zone, and then have guards at the top that are going to get after people. So I'm intrigued by this, a possibility of a, a zone defense that just seems kind of out of Brad Smith's character and kind of who he is. Yeah, absolutely, but I think that people have to remember, uh, and I think that some are hoping Brad remembers that 
going out of character and doing something different was kind of what helped him at Oklahoma State, where they went pack line, uh, you know, in the second half of the season. And clearly, that was a team that was really, really offensively talented, number one in offensive efficiency that year. And I do see some similarities in, in the fact that Illinois is this this team is very offensively capable. They have a lot of individually talented scorers, and then also just as a team now that they know the offense better, and I think they'll move the ball better, and they have uh, some guys that can make shots at a higher clip uh, this year. Uh, I, I think that this team's going to score you know, upper echelon in the Big Ten and, and maybe even nationally. Uh, defensively, they're, they're going to have issues. And uh, I do think from what I've heard or what I've seen, when, when Kofi's on the floor, they tend to go zone more, especially when Kofi and Georgia are playing at the same time. I don't think uh, number one, putting Kofi in ball screens and ma- making him hedge and all of that, that's not what you, that's not a desirable situation for this team. I think they understand that. Also, uh, you know, fours are going to potentially be uh, more like, you know, swingman or, or threes that can maybe exploit Georgie a little bit, force him to go out to the three-point line. I, I, as you mentioned, this team can put a lot of length on the floor at the same time and, and a zone – uh, one of the things that I think Brad would maybe dislike is, is it makes it more challenging to rebound. And this was a really bad. This team was really bad at defensive rebounding last year. Of course, Kofi's coming in to, to kind of fix a lot of that. But uh, there's no doubt because right now they're defending on an island. A lot of guys are uh, when you're playing the pressure deny, you're defending on an island, and mistakes just lead to layups and easy baskets. And if you just trust your offense and we're able to play zone and kind of. Uh, be more team defense and, and rotate and make that a lot simpler and easier for guys. I know you're going to be taking away some of that, tur- some of those turnovers. I don't know. It's going to be a really intriguing thing if Brad is willing to to really buy into that and to to roll that out and see how it works. Because I think that that's part of the plan. But really, I know in his DNA, he's all about turnovers and getting in your face and stuff. So uh, that's going to be a really interesting storyline, maybe as much as anything, uh, going into this heading towards the season here in November. Well, I think we'll also kind of find out how good of a coach Brad Underwood is, right? I think that this is his chance now because let's be let's. I, I feel personally that Illinois' roster just wasn't as good as other teams in the Big Ten for the last couple of years. In the first two years of Brad Underwood, like he just understood that his roster wasn't good enough. So in order to make up for that, he's going with the with this defense where he's getting up in your face. He understands like what you're bringing, and it worked, right? You It worked against Ohio State. It worked against Michigan State. But this year, it feels like Illinois has the talent level to compete with every team that they play on the schedule this year. Every single one, right? You have that talent level. And it's going to come down to, is Brad Underwood able to do what he can do? You hired him not because of his recruiting, but for his X's and O's, and that's kind of my that's kind of what I'm watching for this year. How how does he make adjustments? How does he play defensively? How does he use all of these different pieces? Because he has pieces. It's just putting him in the right place and, and getting that done from that side of it. Because and that's why that's why I'm confident though about this season because you do have the talent, you do have Iowa, you have Georgie and stuff. But but I think this is the opportunity where Brad really showcases how good of a coach he is, how why he was such a good X's and O's coach at Stephen F. Austin, and, and kind of showcases why Illinois hired him in the first place. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. That's what you're looking for. As you mentioned, the pieces are in place, uh, and, and that is a big part of coaching, as you said, is, is making adjustments, and, and that's where you don't want to be stubborn to a fault where you have what you need offensively and maybe that pressure deny, which can be so beneficial. I mean, again, I, I go back to when you're interviewing Cassius Winston and he's in tears in the locker room. That was a, a dang good Michigan State team, and they were just taken out of their stuff 
uh, on your home floor, and you were not, you shouldn't have been, you know, looking at that roster, you should not have been in that game. So uh, that's where it, it's really, really interesting to go back and forth on on what to do defensively. But I, at the same time, I think that the pressure deny is just really susceptible to, to having an off night where, uh, you know, you're getting burned on back cuts or you're just gambling too much. The gamblers, ultimately, you can get burned. Uh, and that's something where maybe you want something a little more consistent, especially if you're getting into March, uh, especially when, you know, you're playing in the Big Ten and that's a tough league. And uh, maybe the steady and more consistent approach is, is what this team needs. And that's going to be fascinating to watch how it plays out. Uh, I'm really obviously excited for the season because I think this team is ready to compete. They have every reason to go to the NCAA tournament. And, yeah, it is going to be on Brad Underwood to to put this team in the best position to to be successful. And uh, I think that on defense, that's where it all starts and ends really for this team. Absolutely agreed. Good stuff for us this week. That's going to pretty much do it for us. All right, stay tuned to the site, though, because we got a bunch of stuff coming. Derek just dropped a big story on defense and Kofi. Uh, me and Jeremy are going to continue on with the football coverage. Again, football starts in about 11 days. The season finally gets here. I need some real football in my life after two weeks of training camp. I mean, I haven't seen a real tackle in like two weeks. We need some stuff here, right? <laughs> and, and and I just need a, I need a football game to go to. So that's what we'll have there. I will have some stories up. I'm going to have the updated depth chart, which will be decent. I got a good story coming up on Illinois kicker Caleb Griffin. Good stuff on, on that from Danville. But overall, Piper, what? what what else do you got on the plan for the site this week? Yeah, I got, got more from Brad's uh, media availability on Monday. Going to hit more on the additions and Jermaine Hamlin and Jacob Grandison. I just saw as we're recording this podcast that the program has now announced Jermaine Hamlin. So that'll be interesting to, to get more comments from Brad on that one. But I really got to dive back into, I know people are itching for updates on, on the 2020 class pursuit. Uh, and now that settled in back in from Italy, you know, uh, I think a trending meter is, is needed. Uh, so that, that'll be in the works as well. So the latest on Adam Miller, Andre Curbelo, DJ Stewart, and, and all that gang. So uh, excited to, to get back into, into the recruiting side because as football games come this way, so do official visits. So uh, that's all going to be fun to, to follow at Atlanta Inquirer for sure. So like we can have a guy walk through the press box like last year when you had E.J. Liddell and Colin Castleton, right? And, well, weren't they the two that together that walked through? E.J. was there. Castleton was the one, the class before. Okay, that's right. Um, maybe Oscar Shibway. No, that, that's that, Shannon. And yeah, there, there were a lot of – Shibway oh, and Shannon. Timmy maybe. Oh, it was Timmy. That's what it was. Yeah. That, oh, God. Now that, that could open up a whole d- another case of worms <laughs> if we get into that. Who are you? Who are you? Right. There, there have been some good names. Right. But, okay. Uh, we'll have some good ones this, this year, too. Who has a better freshman year, EJ Liddell or Drew Timmy? Ooh, that's a good question. Uh, Illinois has got to hope it's Drew Timmy because they don't have to see Gonzaga this year. Mm-hmm. But uh, I don't know what. I'll have to look and, and see what Gonzaga's front court rotation looks like. I think EJ is going to have a lot of opportunity. So, uh, I don't know. I think the league, the league that Gonzaga plays in, will probably bode better for Drew Timmy and putting up stats. Yeah. But uh, you know me, I'm a big EJ fan. I think he has a big freshman year. I totally forgot though. Oscar Sheboy too could be in that discussion for best year by a guy, an Illinois target that didn't pick Illinois. Yeah, Khalil Whitney could be pretty darn good this year too. Yeah, but okay. So I look at Khalil and I go, he's going to get buried on the depth chart, and maybe I, maybe that's just my cynical. I really hope that happens to him so that he gets unhappy, <laughs> and then maybe he wants to come back to play with Io. But oh well, that's okay. 
Yeah, it's all right. All right, good stuff this week. Again, rate us, review us. The the numbers on the podcast have just been outstanding. We're so thankful for all of the, you know, all of the positive reaction from this podcast. We'll probably have a couple more coming up in the next couple of weeks. Jeremy and I are going to do one after every single football game. It'll be a post game one. Piper will definitely be on a few more times as Illinois basketball gets going. But again, rate us, review us, appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the Line Inquirer podcast.